Well, good morning. We're in the middle of our series one, as you see up on the screen. Um, and we're going to continue to look into um, the letter to the um, Church of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians and Scripture. Um, last week, we talked about one body. You see that, that those first two words there. We talked about one body, um, that we are called to come together as one. In a divided world, in a world that's split apart, in a world where our natural reaction is to take sides and to, to go our separate ways and to, to want our way, we are called to be one. We have a high calling. That's what we talked about last week, that as the church, we have a high calling to be different, to be one. Well, I want to look into Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and, and we'll continue on. I want to build on what we talked about last week. So, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, this next part, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so last week we talked about one body, and it says there's one body and spirit, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. And so today we want to talk about one hope. And I'll just start by saying this, we have the ability to be one body, like we talked about last week, because we are called to one hope. Hear me again on that. We have the ability to be one body because we are called to one hope. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a second. Um, but, but I just want to take a second right now and, and um, say that as we speak... There is another hurricane. You guys know this. You guys have seen the news. You guys know what's going on. There's Hurricane Irma is coming into Florida, and as we speak, there are people in Florida, as we sit here in our comfortable sanctuary with our nice chairs, and we don't have to worry about that, there are people in Florida who are experiencing a hurricane that's huge and, and that's destructive. And, and I just think it's important for us to think about them. Just a couple weeks ago, we saw Hurricane Harvey hit South Texas, and we saw a situation where there was disaster and chaos, and that's happening right now in Florida. And so I just think it might be important for us to take a moment and pray for the people of Florida and the people of Texas. How many of you have friends and family in Florida or Texas? Let's pray together. Father, we know that right now there are probably people huddled in their homes or in shelters, or maybe there are people that were lucky enough to get out of Florida and are at safety a little further north, but are wondering what they're going to be able to come back to. And Lord, we know that, that you are God, but we know that there are a lot of people today that are experiencing chaos in their lives. 
especially those down in Florida. We know that there are a lot of people here in the sanctuary that have loved ones that they care about, that that they're just praying for. And so, Father, we just pray right now that you would protect the people of Florida and Georgia and Alabama and North and South Carolina, that you would continue to protect the people of South Texas, that as this storm comes in today to Florida, that you would just protect the people. I pray that you would give them hope in a difficult situation. And Father, we know that you're greater than the storms that we face. And so we pray that you'd be with the people of Florida today and right now, and just that you would be our protection. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. Well, as we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, Hurricane Harvey hit, and, and that, that really got me thinking. I'm pretty new to this whole senior pastor thing. I'm pretty new to this get up and preach every week thing. I haven't been doing that this long. I've had the opportunity for the past year to get up and preach quite a bit here and then to be in the position I'm in for a couple months. But I got to thinking a couple weeks ago about the people down in South Texas, and we can add the people of Florida in there today, and thinking about the fact that three, four weeks ago, it was business as usual, just like for us today. They, they were meeting for Sunday morning, the people were going to the grocery store, whatever they did on Sunday morning, and they had no clue what was coming their way. And I thought about that from my perspective as a pastor, that, that a lot of times, you know, we don't even have any clue what's coming our way ahead of us. And then we saw what happened in South Texas, and I think it's been really cool to see the response of the churches and the people there in South Texas, and I'm sure the same will be true in Florida. Several of, of the Nazarene pastors, I've kept up with what's happening on Facebook, and I just can't imagine going from just today for us, a Sunday, just like most Sundays, to all of a sudden, those pastors and those churches in South Texas became kind of the center of a chaotic universe. And all of a sudden, these pastors became like a beacon of hope to the community around them. And I, I just can't imagine being in that position. I can't imagine having the, uh, the responsibility of in the middle of a huge storm that devastates whole cities and even parts of states, I can't imagine the, the, the heaviness and, and the responsibility of being a beacon of hope in that. And so that really got me thinking about, about my position those people in Texas, the pastors that I've seen, the churches I've seen, have been a beacon of hope. They've been solid. They've been helping. They've been reaching out. They've been organizing. They've been praying. They've been doing everything that they could do to bring hope to a community that was hurting. You know what? The churches weren't the only ones that have been helping out. One of, the, one of the awesome things we see is that when disaster happens, oftentimes people come together. I, I watch sports. NFL started on Thursday night. Today's the first Sunday. And I'm sure if you watch um, any football today, you will see um, advertisements and commercials asking you to partner with them in giving. 
If you watch um, any, any kind of TV or if you're on social media, there are a lot of companies and people that are banding together to try to bring hope to the situations that are happening right in front of us. One, one NFL player, J.J. Watt, has raised over $20 million through his initiative for South Texas. How incredible is that? So there's people coming together and trying to bring hope to these communities that are hurting. So I've got a question for you. The pastors, the churches are bringing hope. Football, social media, companies are working to bring hope. What's the difference between those two places? What's the difference between the hope that the churches and the pastors offer, and what's the difference between the hope that everybody tries to offer in these times of brokenness? I'll tell you what it is. The hope that we have in Christ is a hope that lasts. Now listen to me today. I'm not trying to minimize what's happening, but the hope that we have is a hope that lasts. As I sat there and I thought about these pastors in South Texas and just the position they're in, and they're in the middle of disaster, they're in the middle of this storm, they're in the middle of, of chaos, and I, I, I thought about, man, they are really thrust into this situation where they have to be a light to the people around them. And then I got really thinking about it and thinking about the privilege that I have every week to get up here and be a messenger for hope to each of us, not just me. I, I don't want to make this about me. The privilege that you have as a follower of Christ every day to be a beacon of hope and life in a world that's hurting I don't want to minimize what's happening. Obviously, it's a big deal. Obviously, we are called to help those in need. But man, what we're doing today is not just any ordinary Sunday. What we celebrate today, what, the God we worship today, the message of hope that we proclaim today is no less important. In fact, I think the physical needs are huge. I believe that we need to help out. I believe that we need to give when there's, when there's people in need. I believe we need to feed the hungry. I believe we need to rebuild cities when they're hurting. I believe we're called to do that. Jesus did that, right? Jesus fed the hungry. But we have a hope. There's more to it. While physical need is important, much more important is the need for eternal hope. The hope that we find in Christ. And what a great privilege it is. I just want you to know that. I don't take this for granted. I am privileged to be up here and have the opportunity to look into Scripture. I am privileged to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings hope that lasts. And you are too. You are called to be an agent of hope, as Dale prayed about, an agent of hope that lasts in the world around us. It's a great privilege. And so every day as a follower of Christ, you have the opportunity to spread hope, the hope of Christ, to those that are hurting. There's a lot of different kinds of hopes, isn't there? Some of you are here this morning, I'm going to switch gears and try to stop crying um, but, but some of you are here this morning, and, and we, we kind of all have different hopes, don't we? 
Some of you are here this morning and you're Bengals fans. I don't really see many Bengals shirts. I see a Steelers jersey and a Titans shirt. Where are all the Bengals fans at? Some of you are here this morning and your hope is, man, we hope that the Bengals, there's a shirt, thank you. We, we hope that the Bengals do okay this year. Some of you are here this morning, and, and like we talked about, I mean, that's a lighter subject, but, but some of you are here, and you're hoping that your family and friends are taken care of through difficulty or through storm. Maybe, maybe some of you are here, and, and, and your hope is that, that your job will work out the way you want it to. There's all kinds of hope, isn't there? We all need hope in a lot of different ways, but we have one hope here in the church. We have the hope that lasts, and so the important question we need to ask ourselves today is this, what is our hope? What is the one hope that we are called to? To answer this question, we're going to look back into Ephesians chapter 1, and so Ephesians 1, 3 through 11 you can follow along on the screen if you've got a Bible, if you've got your phone, whatever. Ephesians 1, 3 through 11 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. What is the one hope that we are called to? We just spelled it out. The hope that we are chosen to be holy and blameless. The hope that when, through love we are adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ. The hope that, that we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. The hope that, the hope that, we will, that one day God will bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. We are called to one hope. And it's bigger than just fixing a problem, a small problem. In our, it's bigger than just food. It's bigger than just supplies. It's bigger than just a new job. The hope that we have is that we have a creator God that loved us enough before the beginning of time to give us peace and give us life everlasting and that God wants to bring into a divided and hurting world that God wants to bring unity and make a new kingdom to make all things new. That is our one hope. So let's look a little bit deeper into that. Verse 3 says um, that, that we has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So one of the things that's out there right now, and it's been out there forever, is the idea of the prosperity gospel. 
The idea that, that you're going to get everything that you want and that you're going to be taken care of if you worship God and if you honor God with your life. Now, I just want to tell you, our gospel is a gospel of prosperity. It may not be the kind of prosperity that you hear from some preachers that say you're going to get rich or you're going to have everything that you ever wanted, but our gospel is a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of prosperity. It's that if we, if we understand and believe in God, we have life eternal, something better than money, something better than houses, something better than jobs. We, have, we are invited into the kingdom, the kingdom of God that will be so much more unified and so much more what it was created to be than the world we live in right now. And so we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. John Piper says the main problem with the prosperity gospel is timing. Now I'm going to disagree with him a little bit there. I think it's focus as well. Sometimes the prosperity gospel is focused on the wrong things. It's focused on the things we want versus the things that God freely gives us. Our prosperity is an eternal life. Verse 4 goes on. It says, He chose us, um, let me just read it exactly. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. It is, and it always has been, God's will for us to be holy and blameless. God's will for you, God's plan for you, is that you would be holy and blameless. Those are big words. Let's look at them. Number one, holy, set apart, Christ-like. As we talked about last week, we as the church are called to be different. We are called to unity. We are called to be one, to be different than the world around us. And I want to make that a little bit more personal now and tell you that you are called to be holy. That's a high calling. That's not an easy calling. You are called to be holy. I don't know where, what, what your situation is this morning. I don't know if this is your first time at church or you've been at church your whole life, but you are called to be holy. You are called to be a reflection of Christ in the world around you. That means not just like everyone else. God's plan is that you, every single one of you, will be holy, not indifferent, not destined for failure, not fatally flawed, not a fallen creature, not just like everyone else, but that you will reflect Christ in your life, that you inside and out will be transformed to be Christ-like. God wants to transform you through his spirit to be Christ in the world around you. You are called to be holy. The second thing that says is blameless. Well, we all blew this one, didn't we? You're called to be blameless. Are any of you blameless? I need to wake you guys up. I'm sorry. Any of you blameless? Come on, someone. Okay, good. Everyone's honest in here. None of us are blameless. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We, we've all missed it. I'm definitely not blameless. I've messed up. I've fallen short of being holy. I, I've missed it. I haven't been Christ-like. But let's flash forward to verse 7. It says that, <clears throat> says that we have redemption through his blood, that we have forgiveness of our sin in Christ. 
Because of the love of Christ, because of the sacrifice of Christ, we can be holy. Because of the Spirit, we can become holy. And because of the Spirit and because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we can be blameless. That's incredible news this morning. Some of you should be pretty excited. All of you should be pretty excited. You can be blameless through Christ. You, the person that messes up all the time, the person that's blown it time after time, the person that sometimes has the wrong attitude, the person that messes up and at our house it leaves the van door open overnight or leaves the front door open (laughs) overnight or does something else. I mean, none of us are blameless, right? Megan and I are constantly having conversations about miscommunication, and, and she says, well, you, you said this, or you didn't say this, and I say, no, I actually, I, I absolutely did say that. Someone's to blame there, right? Something got messed up. We're not blameless. I mess up all the time. I am not blameless. I want you to know that today. You know that. I am not perfect. I am not blameless. But through Christ... Through the love of Christ, we can be blameless. That's great news. Every one of you can be holy like God has called you to be, and every one of you can be blameless, even with your past mess-ups and sins and struggles. You can be blameless in Christ. Let's just stop here for a minute. Last week we talked about unity, and we talked about some barriers to unity And let me just ask you a question. If we are blameless in Christ, if we are blameless in God's eyes, how do you think we should view each other? Look around the sanctuary. How do you think we should view each other? If we are blameless in God's eyes, if we have the ability to be made holy and blameless, regardless of what we messed up, how should we look at each other? Because, see, sometimes I'm convinced that God looks at each one of us and says, those are my, love, my dearly loved children who are blameless because of what Jesus did. But sometimes we miss it, and we look at each other, and we want to blame each other, and we want to look at each other as if we're not good enough, and we want to put blame on each other. We are blameless. We are made blameless through Jesus Christ, and that should change the way that we see each other. None of us is perfect. You all admitted it when you didn't raise your hand when I asked if you were blameless. But through Christ, every single person sitting in this sanctuary around you can be made blameless. And man, we got to start treating each other like we are the blameless children of God. You are called to be holy and blameless. We can only be that through Jesus, through his transforming power, and through his sacrifice for our sins. Verse 5 goes on, it says, in love we are adopted into sonship through Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Any of you that know me and know my heart know that I have a real soft spot for adoption. I have never adopted a child. I hope to adopt a child someday. The problem is we just keep having them. And like, I want to adopt a kid, but we just keep having them, right? Hopefully one day I will have the opportunity to adopt a child. Um, but anyone that knows me knows that I have a heart for that. I watched a movie a couple weeks ago, and it was a true story of a child who got separated from his mother and his family and got totally lost and was totally stuck in this situation where he knew no one and had 
had nothing to support him. And the story went that this family adopted this child from across the the globe, adopted this child, took that child in, loved that child, and raised that child as if he was their own. And that child was given a life. I I can't even explain to you the the struggle that as I watched that movie and seeing this little kid that kind of kind of acted like some of my kids, was around the same age as, as Charlie, maybe. And I watched as he got separated from his family, and I watched just the chaos and the, the situation in his life, the brokenness that he, he had nowhere to go and no one to care for him. And he ended up in this, in this, um, in this home where there was struggle and abuse and things that were terrible going on. And all of a sudden, somebody loved that child enough to adopt them, to make him their own child. And that child that was going to grow up in a life that was just horrific was given new life through this family. It was an, it's an incredible story of adoption. I've got good news for you today. God chose to adopt each and every one of us as his sons and daughters through Christ. With all your baggage, with the heavy price that it, that it cost, with the, the heavy cost of his own son dying on the cross, God chose to adopt each and every one of us to be sons and daughters of the Creator God. Doesn't matter how messed up you've been doesn't matter how you look at yourself or how you value yourself or how other people value you, the creator of the universe, the God that is over all and through all and in all, loves you so much that he adopts you as his own. Through Jesus Christ, this is freely given. It's not our doing. Nothing you can do will make you worthy of being adopted by God. Nothing you can do will make you valuable enough in yourself that you can be adopted by God. It is through Christ, and it's freely given. I was thinking about this. I'm a football fan. I really like um, Peyton and Eli Manning. I I mean, that family is just this great family of quarterbacks. And I was thinking, how could I become a Manning, right? If I threw the ball a lot and got really good at throwing the ball, would I be a Manning? If I eat Papa John's all the time... Would I become a Manning? If I wore jerseys, I do have an Eli Manning jersey. If I wear that jersey everywhere I go, would I become a Manning? I can do everything I want. I will not become a Manning unless they choose to adopt me, and I don't want to be. I'm happy being a Mahaffey. I've got great parents. But I could not be a Manning unless they chose to adopt me as their son. And the truth of the matter is, that there is nothing you can do on your own to become worthy of being adopted as a son or daughter of God. It is freely given you through Christ. Now this is important once again, because if you think that you earned this adoption, if you think it's because you're good enough, then you're going to be tempted to look at other people and think that they're not good enough. Because they're not like you, they're not good enough for adoption 
to be sons and daughters of God. If we think that we have earned the place that we're in, we'll be tempted to exclude others. And it'll be really easy to cast aside hope for other people that we want to be adopted. Think about this. If we think we have to earn our sonship in Christ, it'll be easy to look at people outside that are living different lives that, that it, we don't see a way that they'll ever become what we want them to become or what God wants them to become, and we'll lose hope because we can't earn it. It's freely given. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it, which leads us to some really good news. How many of you have friends or family that don't know Christ, that haven't figured out that God loves them, that are searching in a lot of different areas? How many of you have people in your life that you just want to know Christ, that you want to be adopted into this family? I've got good news for you. No matter what they've done, no matter how far from God they've been, God loves them so much that God wants to adopt them to be sons and daughters through Christ. What does that mean for those we have we, that, that we hope to reach? It means that God wants them to be sons and daughters more than we do. And they don't have to become perfect and they don't have to earn it. God already loves them. We just need to introduce them to the creator God that loves them and wants to adopt them. We just need to do our part to point to God. God wants to adopt all as sons and daughters through Christ. God freely chose to adopt you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God freely chose to adopt you as a son or daughter of God. That's amazing. That leads us to verse 10. And that's this. It, it says, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm going to have to find it so I can read exactly. Verse 10, which says, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse 10 says, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I've got more good news for you. I've got lots of good news for you. I told you this is prosperity week here. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. God is going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. It's coming. What's our hope? Our hope is that God loves us so much that we can be holy and blameless. Our hope is that God loves us so much that we are adopted to be sons and daughters. The, our hope is that God's kingdom is coming, that God is bringing unity to all things, that there's a new kingdom that's going to be established where we don't have to worry about hatred, that we don't have to worry about hurricanes, that we don't have to worry about sickness, that we don't have to worry about what other people are going to do to us. God's kingdom is coming. It may seem at this moment like chaos is everywhere. We may feel like we're surrounded by storms, by war, by evil, by hatred, and honestly, we are. There's a lot going on right now in the world around us. But God's plan is to bring peace and restoration and to bring his kingdom to us. God's plan is to establish his kingdom for us. And so 
I think about um, the idea. It says, bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Now think about this. We've talked today about storms. We talked about this, these big hurricanes that have come. And it says, under Christ. What happened when Jesus Christ encountered storms in Scripture? Somebody? He quieted the storms. Here's the thing, God, the hope that we celebrate today is that those storms, our God is bigger. Our hope today is that Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom and those storms have nothing when they're under Christ. And so I think about Houston and South Texas and I think about Florida and I think about our calling to help rebuild them and we should. I think about our calling to send supplies and, and to, be, to bring hope through physical things. I think about our calling to bring hope to the people around us that are hungry and hurting, and we should do those things. <clears throat> but you know what? Even in those situations, even if we feed someone that's hungry, even if we rebuild a city that's destroyed, what's next? There are still problems facing every day. There's still, there's still situations that aren't going to have hope in them. The only hope that will last, the only hope that we have to offer that will last is hope through Jesus Christ that God's kingdom is coming. We have a huge calling today. One day there will be no more pain. One day there will be no more storms. We have the opportunity to spread that hope, the one hope that we are called to, to the people around us every day. And so I have the opportunity to stand up here and preach, and some of you probably like that and some of you probably don't, and some of you may not like that I cry so much or might not like what I say all the time, but I have an opportunity to be a messenger of hope to this community and to the people that will hear me. And that's an awesome thing and that's a huge responsibility, but I want you to know that you have the responsibility and the opportunity to be a messenger of hope to the people in your life. I am called to a hope, but you are called to the same hope. And so I want us as a church to be a people of hope, not just hope for feeding the hungry, not just hope for sending supplies to storms or whatever that is, not just hope for being there for people when they're hurting, the hope that God loves each and every one of us and that God wants to establish his kingdom and give us eternal life. You have a high calling to be a messenger of hope in the community around you and in the people's lives around you. You have a high calling to be a part of the building of the kingdom of God. And so let's as one body, as one body as we talked about last week, as one body as we come together, let's be a people that proclaim one hope that we have, the hope that lasts, the only hope that will last for eternity, the only hope that can ultimately meet every need that people have. God's kingdom is coming, and nothing can be done to stop that. And you have the opportunity today, tomorrow, the day after, to proclaim that hope to the people around you. The band's going to come up now, and we're going to sing a song about the resurrecting power of Jesus, about the hope that we have in Christ. And the takeaway today is simple. 
We are called to be one body. We are called to come together and be united because we are called to one hope. We are called to serve one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We are called to be a people of hope in Christ. And so this week, tomorrow, today, whoever it is that you run into, I want you to be a beacon of hope. You're not in Houston, you're not in South Florida, you're not in Tampa or any of those places that these storms are hit, and they have the opportunity to be a beacon of hope, but you have an opportunity right where you are, at work, at home, in your community, to be a beacon of hope, a hope that lasts. Will you join me and be a person of hope? Join me and proclaim the one hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you um, for each person in here, and I thank you more than anything that you love us enough to give us the hope that your kingdom is coming, that you've adopted each and every one of us. And so I pray, Lord, that knowing that we didn't deserve it, knowing that we weren't good enough for it, but that you loved us and freely gave it anyway, I pray that we would freely be, a, be preachers and teachers and proclaimers of your hope. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to resurrect each one of us and the world around us. Be with us today and, and, and every day, Lord. Amen.